Hello, everybody. Welcome to Sonic Talk, episode 789. This is a kind of, we jumped an episode last week. I was getting ready to do it the day before, but I, I was still a bit post-NAM, and then I got COVID, and I thought, oh, you know what? It's only going to lead to bad things happening. Me endlessly bodging kind of the, the things that you have to do. I always feel to do the show, you need to be in a, a condition that you would uh, operate heavy machinery, although it's mu there's much less at stake, obviously, but uh, like there's no injuries likely, but I I'd, I'd felt that it was probably better for everybody if I just took a week out and sort of chilled. And I feel much better now, thanks for asking uh, or not asking, I'm telling you anyway. Uh, anyway, this is a music technology podcast. We talk about all things to do with music technology, uh, things like software, synthesizers, uh, drum machines, plugins, studios, live performance, all that kind of ecosystem that surrounds that whole thing. And I just wanted to say uh, thanks very much to Wagu in the chat, as ever, for joining up all the IRC, the Facebook, because we stream on Facebook and on Twitch, and brings all the chat together, also moderates and keeps uh, keeps all the, the, the riffraff out. Or or the riffraff in, depending on which side of the fence you sit on, I suppose. Anyway, uh, while I've got you, I want to say... Um, Coming up, we've got uh, our EMOM, which is on March the 1st. In fact, if you want to go there, uh, I think I'll press this button here, and it probably does that. No, that's not. That's win a KO. Oh, yeah, why not? Win a pocket KO. That's That'll do. You can win the Teenage Engineering uh, KO2, which uh, we have a prize to give away. Uh, if you head to that, the link will be showing in the show notes. And also, uh, what's the other thing I was going to show? That's it. It's this one, I think, is... That's right. If you want to... Um, Basically, uh, join us on uh, EMOM. Tickets are available at uh, Sonic uh, uh, Bitly slash Sonic EMOM Four. EMOM Sonic EMOM Four, I think, is the one. <laughs> uh, that was the wrong link. And also, uh, there are links there because uh, last time what we did is we we said if you've got a track that you'd like to be played in the interval, because in the room we have music playing. We know when there's bands not on and in, in the preamble, we're happy to play your stuff. You just send it in. It gets all put in a spreadsheet. So if it's used in the live stream, there's a link that gets put at the timestamp it's playing, so people can click and follow your you know to your where your music lives and stuff. So it feels like it's probably a good thing right so if you want to do that just uh keep keep your eyes posted and we'll post the links to that in the show notes because i've obviously messed up <laughs> this one and i thought i was re recovered and didn't have fog brain from e from uh, from covid but it looks like i may have been wrong yep anyway right now all the admin and the uh, all the other businesses uh, sorted out i just want to say also hello to everybody in the irc thanks for hanging in there even though we had the week off uh, we can get to our guests and we have a fulsome panel uh, we'll start with uh, mr rich hilton who is there in, uh, in his home studio with the roly uh, expanding out from uh, rich of course uh, plays keyboards with chic uh, is a producer and engineer in his own right uh, how are you rich you well yes very well thank you Excellent. Has the has the touring season started this year yet, or are you uh, waiting for the snow to clear? And they get are they able to get down your drive to take you to the airport, or is it still a little touch and go? Um, there's a lot of snow out there, but it's not in my driveway right now. Thank goodness. Thanks to the uh, our friend with the plow, in this case. And uh, there's been limited touring so far this year. It's going to get crazy in a few months, but um, right now I'm mostly in studio work and enjoying that. 
Excellent. Well, that sounds like a great place to be. Of course, I, I suppose um, big stuff's happening. You do the soap. The Super Bowl's a big deal in uh, in the in the states, isn't it? Does that, is that something that part? Did you do you have like a a nacho party or anything around at your house? Do you do or get together and uh, watch that? I mean, I, I don't know whether you're into American football or not. I have no idea. But it's traditional, isn't it? It's almost like Thanksgiving, right? In the sense that it's like a national holiday here. Yeah. Uh, in my life. Ah. I was in the studio on Super Bowl Sunday, and I was telling a story about having been in the studio on Super Bowl Sunday in 1983. <laughs> so I guess that's my tradition. Right. Well, that seems fair enough. I'm, I'm that that probably signifies your interest in the American football scenario, but that's fine. Uh, no, I, this I'll enjoy it. Yeah, I enjoy of course, it, it sounds like. Will, will. Anyway, well, thanks for joining us, Rich. And uh, we also have... Robin Vincent, Molten Music Tech. Hey. Uh, who's, have you done your Molten Monthly or are you about to? It's just, you're just on the cusp, aren't you? We haven't. Yeah, I'm it, holding off. Oh, it's Valentine's Day. <gasps> it is Valentine's Day, which is lovely of you to invite me on here for our date. I mean, I think that's, that's I'm quite touched. <laughs> To be honest, quite flush. All above board, public. I don't. I don't actually want to. I don't want anybody to say there's anything underhand going on. We're all out in the open. <laughs> there's no. There's no. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but yes, multi monthly end of the month. End of the month. So it will be. It will be after synth east and all the dust has settled on that. I'll be getting into that. So at the moment, I'm just coasting along. Mostly got my feet up. You know, wondering what to do with myself. That kind of thing, right? <laughs> really? No. Well, of course, I, I, you mentioned Synth East. Synth East, of course, is uh, the second. This is the second instance of the show that you're running in. Yeah. Uh, uh, in Norwich, uh, Norwich Arts is it still at the same complex? That's it is at the Norwich the Arts Centre. Yeah, yeah, we're we're sold out on the Saturday, sold out on the Friday night. Saturday evening has about thirty tickets left. Um, Saturday night is Blamange playing, and myself, of course, they're supporting me. I think. Or was it the other way around? <laughs> Quite right. Uh, and we still have a few spaces left on the the Sunday DIY workshops, which uh, which is great. So there are opportunities if you're if you're local and want to either build a module or see some some pop music, then then come along. It's going to be it's going to be fun. It's going to be exhausting. .com or .co .uk? Uh, .com, synthest.com, or anything via it. anything I do. Yeah, that'd be uh, great. Yeah, synth, uh, synthese.com. I'm just going to post it in the chat. There. Yeah, great there stuff. There we go. That's there the place we go. go. Lovely. Uh, well, lovely to have you. And 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 last but certainly not by no means least. In fact, the ever expanding uh, family. Uh, it's like the Forsyth saga of, of Paulie. Paulie's there at home with yet another child uh, that you've managed to slip in between the last time you're on the show and uh, and and this time. How is everybody? Everybody well? How are the children? <clears throat> Everyone's physically well. I think like were all a bit worse for wear kind of you know in terms of tiredness and uh and stuff like that but you know there's plenty of cuddles at least which is good <laughs> um to to kind of you know relieve the the stress of it all so yeah we're doing pretty well i've got to say excellent well, i'm really glad to hear it. and you uh, you put out a couple of videos in the meantime as well just pop just as well as as well as children you're producing videos at the same time astonishing uh I'm a classic overachiever, <laughs> sort of tech, <laughs> textbook, classic, classic overachiever. Um, yeah, I did a stream last night, a pre-Valentine's stream, because I'm uh, cooking a nice meal for my wife tonight, you know, keep her, keep her sweet. 
Um, so I did a pre- I did a pre Valentine stream on the Nord Modular G1 on my channel, and mm. you know it, it went down really well. They loved it. Um, I showed off a bunch of weird patches, you know, uh, and and unique sounds to that synth. So um, yeah, I think I'm, I'll probably start doing it. Maybe not on the regular, regular, but every couple of months do a stream because it's quite nice, you know, quite a nice atmosphere. Yeah. Uh, just to have people there in the chat. I was saying streaming is great for introverted attention whores, basically, because you get all (laughs) eyes on you, but you can still be introverted and interact with them just via text, if you get me. Mm. It is. It's the perfect medium. It is, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. All you yeah. got to do is figure out the technology. Um, uh, what was That's it? There was it. something else I was going to spend. I can't remember. Uh, there was uh, there was something else I was going to mention, which has completely escaped my mind. I th- I said I didn't have COVID fog, but I think that might I might have to rapidly reevaluate that uh, that statement. Uh, I think I I think I might be okay to finish the show though. Uh, uh, we'll have to see. But uh, yeah. Um, so what else has we got going on? Um, there is well, there's more stuff. We've got we've got synths and all sorts of things, haven't we? So let's see where, uh, where what our first topic is. Uh, what did I do? Oh gosh, yeah. Well, I mean, this is that this happened uh, between uh, between shows. So if I press this, I'm hoping it's going to work. Now I now I'm really kind of quite worried that it's not, but we'll see. Ah, thank goodness. New Akai C, Akai MPC Keys 37, which, I mean, from one point of view, you could go, oh yeah, it's just another form factor of the same old hardware they're flogging. But actually, there's something about this form factor that just really, really makes me want it. It feels like it's the, almost like the perfect form for the key, because you get the keys, and there's, there's lots of producers out there, you know, obviously bigging it up and saying, well, it's, it's, I'm used to a 37 key keyboard, that and my laptop, or not even a laptop, and I'm off. Yeah. So it's got the pads, it's got the keys, uh, it's about, I think it, what does it yeah. work out at? It's about 800 quid. So it's a little bit more than the APC, the MPC One Plus, but not as much as yeah. the more expensive MPCs. So seems like they've they're onto a bit of a winner here i think i'll come to you first robin because you, you know you like me are, are, are kind of swim in the new music tech news so it has a sort of sort of context i don't know if you are you a, an mpc user i feel like i should but i've never really had the had had one around to figure it out yeah uh i'm i'm told i should be i mean i, I used to play on the one in turnkey back in the day because uh, that was hanging around it's always something to fiddle with when things were quiet um but as far as an NPC workflow, it's not something that's that's really grabbed my attention particularly. I do, I think I um the same as you. I get the thirty-seven key thing. I mean, it's the sort of thing that will just sit on your kitchen table without getting in everybody's way. You know, you could plonk it down anywhere rather than having a big wide um, keyboard version of something. So I think the form factor really works because it's. I mean, if you had an MPC, you would attach a keyboard to it anyway, probably, and that's kind of what you've got going on, just in a in a complete thing that you can pick up in one hand. So I think it's a it's a smart idea. It fits and ticks all those boxes for people who want to work in a more of a doorless way. Well, is, is it? Can you call that doorless? Because isn't it essentially just another no, door in a box? It's a it's basically a Linux door, isn't it? I mean, with, it is, with isn't custom it? Yeah. One one thing I've never really figured out is, and and, and I can't, I'm ne- I should. 
know, you know, what is the touchscreen actually like to use? Because you're having, that's the mm. focus of essentially all of your programming control, apart from, you know, data input and pads and controllers. Is it, is it very responsive? And I, 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 I feel rather ashamed to say I haven't actually spent enough time with one to know whether or not it's something that you have to get used to or if it works or if it's got better or if it's a pain. I just, I just don't know any of those things. Yeah. I suppose you get the feeling that you wouldn't be going down. You wouldn't be going down to sort of Ableton Live level of crafting devices and uh, sort of intricate um, piano rolls and very, very deep level of high resolution stuff perhaps because you're fingering about a little bit like an ipad app it it gives the impression that it, things are relatively straightforward and simple and on beat and on time and you know those sorts of mm. things not to take anything away from the power of what it can do but it perhaps doesn't have that level of detail that you'd expect to use with a mouse or a more intense door experience yeah i suppose that's true i mean and that's the thing i mean for the price what 800 you could probably get a MacBook Air and a MIDI controller, uh, maybe not a copy of Ableton as well, but not far off. So you're sort of getting into the same sort of footprint, but there's something about, I know, isn't there, Paulie, a, a dedicated hardware thing yeah. that just yeah. does the thing that you want the thing to do. And you can interface with CV stuff and MIDI controllers. And yes. as far as I remember, it's class compliant. You can add additional audio interfaces. So if you need more I.O., cool. you could do that as well. It has to be class compliant. Um. I'm just sad it's not in beige because the old uh, <laughs> Akai Akai, the old Akai, sorry, there's very, that's probably a little too contrasted. I've um, been looking at pictures of the old Akai VX 600. That's still too contrasted, oh, yeah. isn't he? You know, the, yeah, the uh, little the VCO one, little synth. That was yeah. a little 37 key um, beige Akai synth. It looks dead cute. Um, but they're really, really expensive now. So they could, you know, play off that vintage um, kind of style a bit. You know, Roland does it all the time, don't they? They they dress up new stuff in their old analog trade dress, even though it's digital. So Akai could the do Roland the charity shop. Do. Yeah, the yeah. I suppose it's a bit like yeah. <laughs> I, I always remember your your quote when when you were interviewing one person from Roland. You were like. You said, great for wedding gigs. And then I sampled it once because I, I found it so funny. <laughs> but yeah, um, the, um, the, the thing is, though, this is this form factor. It makes it great for a second tier little board on a live rig. You know, mm. say if, you're, if you've got like a Nord stage piano or something, on your main rig and then you've got this i mean what can't you do <laughs> with those two keyboards you know um and the other thing you mentioned it i really like the um the way it can bridge generations of instruments you know it's got the cv is it four cv outs yeah i um, i don't yeah I, yeah 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 robin says i, th I think and, so yeah. uh, it's and like of course two, you've got two, your midi and everything four stereo so. jacks yeah yeah i mean if i was starting out it'd be very very tempting i think you know as a first major boy because you've got like eight of their plugins included as well so you get some synth stuff um, and you can buy more obviously yeah and you can buy more so yeah i think that i think they i say this all the time but i think they're on to a, a winner i think the market that they're aiming for is going to respond well to it uh um, yeah, i think really right. 
Yeah. Yeah. Hip hop producers who want to play bass lines rather than uh, trigger them on pads. I don't know, Rich. Sure. MPCs have traditionally been much bigger in the American, uh, on the American side of the world because it's just the way that the, the whole hip hop community has sort of taken it on. But I don't know if you also saw there's the, uh, the stems thing. They've actually introduced, I, I think they trailed it. We didn't, we, I don't think we covered it in Sonic Talk, but um, the ability to, to, to explode a stereo sample into constituent parts, drums, bass, keys, vocal, other, whatever it may be, and then recombine them on pads so you can demix it. That is also going to be available in standalone mode on all of these units when they've done it. It's already available or, or in beta on the MPC software, but will be coming into the hardware as well. And that, once you start being able to do things like that in standalone, we're really, it's kind of like, well, exactly as Paulie said, what can't you do? You know, there's, apart from play Rachmaninoff, perhaps. I watched a bunch of videos about this thing. I'm very impressed with it as a product. Um, it seemed like you could just put this thing under your arm, go do a session, and get a lot done. Um, it, it sounded good. It seemed to operate well. The videos I watched of guys operating the touchscreen uh, within the limits of what Robin described, seem to be very quickly able to do things on sample edit pages and things like that where you do need some degree of precision or be able to get to that degree of precision quickly and easily. It all looked like it was pretty, it all looked like once you got the physical workflow together in your hands that you could actually create pieces of music on this thing very quickly and efficiently and that it would do a whole lot of different things well. And I like the idea that it was sending CV or receiving, uh, sending CV out and uh, could perhaps do with a few more outputs. But given its price point and its size, I think it's a pretty stunning product. I was really impressed with it. I've never touched one yeah, and yeah. I hope but it looked like a great, yeah. great product. It will. I mean, I think that where, you know, you could imagine third party or even, you know, branded uh, cases where you could just pop in with a, with this over your bag, over your, you know, it's the size of a kind of what, a kit bag if you're going to go to the gym effectively, you know, and you can take that. Yeah. And I guess, I wonder what the power is about it, um, whether you could run it off power banks with something like maybe the, um, uh, the MyVolts uh, cables, which are really good. I don't know if you've seen those. They've got those uh, USB-C. They've now got these little uh, candy color things that you can stick on and do a 6, a 12, a 9-volt adapter on it, and they'll, they'll run a high wattage. The, I, we did get... Uh, uh, Andy Mack came... It does come periodically here, a demo sort of Akai's new products, and he showed us the keys thing. And I do remember when, when we looked at keys, what made the massive difference is just suddenly it's the workstation side of things. Like, I just need a piano, I've loaded a piano, I've got a piano, you know, I've loaded, I need an electric piano, I need, so you've got these full keyboard spread instruments, which sort of greatly enhances the whole playing experience. And because it's integrated with the hardware, it's not quite the same thing when you plug a controller into an, uh, maybe an MPC box, because it all knows what, you know, when you're playing the key or you press the right button, then you've got the full range of, of whatever it is over your keybed. And I think that that greatly enhances the sort of immediacy of being able to play and jam ideas in there. And of course, I don't remember what it is, Robin, that, that you can play stems off it and long samples as well. I mean, it's not just one shots and multi samples. It'll do, you know, the whole the whole set and, and arrangement, yeah. I believe. It's a multi-tracker, isn't it, ultimately? And, you know, the, the ability to route uh, everything that it can do out of the various outputs, whether it's MIDI or CV as well, is enormously useful if, if that's the sort of environment you like to work in. I mean, I guess 
uh, I'm just trying to think in in terms of in in usability and using your hands to control thing. How much better experiences it is than a, than using a computer and a mouse and a, and a MIDI keyboard. Is there is there really anything in that that's sort of an advantage, or is it purely the fact that it is all together and so well integrated that that makes it easier? Maybe it's it that pushback yeah. against the the difficulties that we still have of trying to get computers to do the thing. Mm. That uh, that it it then just replaces any of that nonsense mm. with giving you everything that most people are gonna are gonna use anyway. Maybe sure. it's that I simplicity it which really works. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I agree. I think it's going to be a win. I mean, it seems like it's. I, we should have like a thing, shouldn't we? I kind of. I should have a jingle where I go. It's a hit. Like what? Like uh, those oh, record yeah. reviewing <laughs> things from the seventies where they hit a hit a giant bell or you know I don't know a foghorn goes off or something like that i don't know it gets one of those from me whatever that is when i figured it out right uh we this was a late comer because it's sort of speculation but i suppose it's not speculation in a way so i'm gonna go straight for the uh i'm gonna go straight for the moog mirror i think uh let's see if this works all right welcome to yeah, the this was actually We're back man and Four months ago, we this told is, uh, you it was coming, the Moog Mirror. We broke it. We let you since know. Since Samurai. Believed us, and now it's Moog here. Mirror. It got released. Uh, he, he's, the one, he's the only video I could find on it. But then there's also, Robin, you very kindly sent me, oops, sorry, you very kindly sent me the uh, the picture of, that was at Super Bowl, uh, it was at Super Bowl, the halftime show. There was the Moog keyboard that was kind of trailed, and Andrew Huang's been getting exclusive access to it. So effectively, what we know, uh, that it's, effectively let me see if i get to the right i probably need to get to the right uh button there we go effectively we go uh eight voice by timbrel uh, bucket brigade delay ladder filter two oscillators per voice um it, we think it's based on the matriarch's voice which i think is not mm. a bad shout although mm. the thing about the matriarch that was so sweet was the uh just the the, the intermodular patching and i think the matriarch was one of the one of Moog's greatest since since the uh, since the sub thirty seven, and so I, I mean, there's a lot of speculation. This, I mean, it seems, I mean, you've got you're going somewhere where a brand like Moog uh, get to piggyback on the back of Super Bowl when what? Let's face it, an ad an ad is what? It's like three million dollars for thirty seconds or something like that, mm. and they just got they got. I wonder if they had to pay anything or whether that's free. And I guess it's another in music thing. I mean, this is the other thing. Obviously, this was in development before in music uh, made the purchase and made the acquisition. But this looks like it could be a pretty big uh, milestone in the Moog um, canon because you know it's going up against Trigon Six. We don't know how much it's going to be. There's thoughts no. it may be between two and six thousand dollars but i think they would have to go low to compete with mm. you know some of the other synths that you can get for a lot of them i don't know what what do you think mm. robin you've probably got a bit more inside information oh i don't know about that but i mean along with everybody else's guesswork i suppose uh, is it me or is it just it looks it, it just reminds me of the the gaia the the roland to be honest the look of it in that sort of slightly fuzzy way uh with the the, the row of lozenge type bits the white i think very much does that there's something about that going on but i think oh. the the idea of having because i mean there, there's such 
extremes with Moog. You've got, um, you know, the Moog One, which is up there, which is, you know, unobtainable, aspirational, but also complicated and fussy to use, or at least so, so it appears. And then you've got something as beautiful as the Matriarch, which is uh, so hands-on and so, you know, you can, f you can feel the synthesis in it somehow. It, it, it just has that feel to it. So to have something which is not that, that crazy memory Moog or, or some other Voyager style um, high-end synthesizer, but to have something which you could actually own, um, particularly in a world where we've got uh, you know, Behringer producing every other synth behind it, um, to, to, <laughs> yeah, to put true. something out there which is relatively affordable, but a high-quality new product, uh, and based on something that we know sounds good, I mean, it's ticking all of the boxes, really. I mean, if it could compete with something like the Polybrute or that sort of uh the summit or something of that around that area yeah. then i think it could be a you know it could be a stunning thing i mean eight voices lovely uh two oscillators per voice lovely you know i don't know good. i think i think you'd have to uh, it's going to need a high pass filter because i mean eight voices of matriarch is going to be <laughs> it's going to be you know a lot of a lot of but i don't know it's interesting isn't it that there's there's a there's a really romantic um aspect to moog polysynths i mean you know we know that my feelings are the one they didn't engineering didn't quite get that right it's still i don't know whether it the you know getting that many oscillators to be in tune is a tough gig and obviously they've done it right with this it's it, it's great you know and this could be a big one uh for them i know what do what do you think are you are you hankering after a moog poly that that stays in tune well, I, I have so many thoughts about what's been said. Uh, as Let's start with this instrument. I don't know anything about it. It looks funny to me. It's got sliders on it. It's a Moog instrument with sliders. Um, it, it look, it's got funny lights. Um, I'd have to really see it and hear it to have yeah. an opinion about it, but it's kind of oddball to me as I look at it from a distance in a blur as the camera's panning past. Yeah. Um, but as to Moog 1, I finally got to play one of these things this year, ah. uh, last year, uh, when I was in Australia, and I was blown away. And it was not hard to operate, and it was not finicky, and it wasn't out of tune, and it sounded fantastic. And I really, based on my one and a half hours or so sitting at this thing, never could reconcile all the stuff I've read and heard with my experience right there at the instrument, which was wonderful and blew, kind of Great. blew my mind. And I heard it through a set of Neumann speakers, which were stunning. And uh, it was really, really impressive to me. Uh, I didn't go deep diving in the programming side, but operationally, it was easy and it was fun to use and it was uh, great sounding. Um, I hope this thing does all of that for half the price, quite honestly, and somehow doesn't manage to alienate the entire synthesizer community in the process. Um, <laughs> Because it would be nice for them to have a successful polysynth. I will say, I've said it a million times, Memory Moog was like a watershed thing for me. I was so deep in Memory Moog. I have such fondness for the thing. I know it's unreliable and it didn't fully work. And I knew even some of the things about it that didn't work that the guys who designed it didn't know. But it's. Um, I hope this is a great synth, and I hope uh, all of my uh, questions about what it looks like are dispelled by the fact that it sounds so good and is so fun fun to use that uh, I don't care about any of that. Fun to use to me is the big deal. Is it fun to use? Mm. That's what I want to know. Yeah. 
it, I'm sure it's got great specs and wonderful oscillators and probably a wonderful sounding ladder filter. And yeah, I have lusted after Trigon because it's got ladder filters. So I get the comparison there. I don't know what the price point's going to be. Does anybody? Uh, Not yet. Spec somebody said maybe two and a half grand, but there's nobody knows. Nobody has it. I mean, I guess the whole thing about in music coming in is they know how to make things more cost effectively. So maybe that's going to be an aspect to the to this release that you know is a factor. Who knows? I mean, but we just don't know. Right. What do the audio output sound like? How many gazintas yeah. and gazatas are on the back of the thing? You know, like there's a lot of questions we have, but. Um, I hope it's good. Yeah. I hope so. <laughs> I, Mira, interesting, interesting name. I wonder what the what what that's. I'm trying to think. What does the poly mirror? But move mirror. I, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of. I'm I'm not sure about the naming. I don't suppose it really makes any difference. But I hope it. I hope it goes for them because they, like like we said. I mean, and I, to, just to address your point, I, I know I'm kind of perhaps a little bit oversensitive about the Mogwai. I did have three of them in this room at one point because none of them worked. So it was an incredibly frustrating review experience for me. But I also fully accept that you know we're now. Two, two, three years later on, and I think m most of that stuff's been sorted out. And you know, I should probably hold, I should probably hush my mouth about that stuff. So, I'm glad your experience was much more positive than mine was when Me I was too. reviewing it. But uh, uh, yeah, anyway, Paulie, what do you think? Moog Polly for you, or Moog Polly? Beg your pardon. It surprised me how kind of unmoved I am. Right, interesting. Because <laughs> I, I, I love. Ja or I have loved in the past analog polys, you know, because um, my being born in 1982, loads of the children's shows I was watching in my first few years were scored with analog polys, you know, like the OBX or um, <clears throat> the, you know, lower end stuff like the JX3P or stuff like that. So absolutely love the sound. It tickles my nostalgia gland far more than analog mono synths do because I wasn't around. Um, I wasn't around for them. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> so um, I can appreciate them. I can appreciate a mini Moog, but I think they they stopped making them like the year I was born. So, um, but I'm kind of just a bit there. Um, maybe it's with autism, you go through special interests. Uh, so you have like a year or maybe six months where you're really, really interested in something like it becomes your burning passion. And at the moment for me, that's kind of weird old computer stuff and modular. So maybe right. I'm just not in an analog poly mindset, but I've got to say that the analog polys that have excited me since maybe it's the fact that there's so many of them now they they seem like a rare mm. occurrence before you know and, uh, not, and then yeah. all of a sudden we got the profit six and it started a whole dave smith initially said you can't sell a keyboard for over two grand god rest his soul because you couldn't at the time but now you can sell keyboards for over two grand and people will buy them you know Hans Zimmer will buy five of them and, and bankroll, you know, development. But um, I've got to say, you know, I've got my OB6, really like that for the weird things it does. Polybrew, weird things it does. 
uh, morphing, you know, layer A, layer B. Yeah. So you can do analog morphing. The Nina, which I'm interested in, has a wavetable oscillator, which you can modulate the analog components with. And it's also got a Zor ring mod, you know, like the Dominion 1 has. Uh, Lovely sound. So I think I kind of like analog polys, which do something a bit weird. And my final point, what I'm leading to is, I'm hoping that this has a weird feature in it. This Moog mirror, right? That it's not just standard, you know, two oscillators into a ladder filter. Um, I'm hoping it's got plenty of like audio rate modulation, maybe a mod matrix, um, right. and some yeah. odd odd stuff on it, basically. And then I might be interested. That <laughs> is a really valid point because I mean, you know, there's there's always something slightly disappointing about another synth that is kind of pretty much the same as everything else and doesn't really sure. have anything unique or unusual about it. And I and I get that, and I, and I think that's a good shout for the Polybrute because the Polybrute has a whole bunch of unusual stuff about it. So yeah. I think there's you know there's something to be said for that. Um, I'll just co- also quickly point out John Van Eaton said uh, two matriarch two matriarchs mirrored. So maybe that's the reason that it's called mirror, which is a fair point Ooh. as well. Good shout. Oh, nice. So yeah, that could. Yeah, it could be. I think the Matriarch, though, had defined... Didn't it have four oscillators? Three or four, I've seen. Yes, four. I can't remember that. Yeah, I think it had four. I remember it because it's the the same as the Monopoly is four. Yeah, but you could do some really interesting routings, and maybe they're going to keep some of those, because it's not... I mean, it's just got the BBD. The BBD's nice to have, and I can't remember whether I... Because I reviewed it, and I can't remember whether it was something that I thought... The BBD is great, but it would be nice if there was a crystal, uh, you know, if you could switch it from grungy old chip to something sure. a bit more TC electronic so that you had a bit more kind of such so as two flavours of, of, of dirty <laughs> delay rather than rather than just kind of something that sound like a delay through a woolly hat. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. maybe there'll be a, for everything. Maybe be a head rush board in it. You know, a headrush uh, board, yeah. maybe some mixed Meister performance elements, you know, a bit of uh, iron audio stuck in the back with a Marantz cassette deck stuck in the side, <laughs> maybe a bit of Sonovox virtual <laughs> instrument sort of layer behind it with a, you know, with a Stanton um, stylus. You're thinking in, interface. in music kind of cross. I'm just, I'm just stuff. browsing the in music brands at the moment. What else could they stick <laughs> into it? Engine DJ software suite, a Denon CD player. You know, popping out the side. <laughs> Serato, or a CD player. And, that'd be nice. Yeah. And CD an Alesis player, yeah. uh, uh, layered Adromeda. There we go. I That's what it nice. is. How about, well, no, what was that Alesis kind of, it was like the, uh, it was a dome thing that you could, you played with, uh, it was a bit like a D-beam, but it was a bit more, uh, looked a bit more menacing. I can't remember what okay. it was called. <laughs> a menacing D-beam. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I'm going to yeah, get one well, okay. need this. It uh, menacing great. D-beam. Okay. Yeah, look it up. I can't remember <laughs> what it was. Some, uh, here we go. Wagyu's always there. He's encyclopedic knowledge. Let's uh, see yeah. if I've got that. Alesis Air Effects. Air Effects. It's like the like a D-beam. Uh, what did I call it? Like a D-beam, but more menacing. That, there's a, quite a few certain titles here. So let's just put the like a D-beam, uh, uh, men, uh, like a D-beam, but no, it's quite like a D-beam, uh, but more menacing. 
Menacing Deviant. So far, Roland Charity Shop is uh, is a title. Tickles my nostalgia gland. Not sure we'd be able to get away with that. Um, but, uh, <laughs> I like a D-beam, but menacing. There we go. There's there's a few there. We got a couple of yeah. a few. Robin, Robin, I'm disappointed. Usually, in the first thirty seconds of the show, you've basically got the show title, and you haven't done it this time. So wow. no. So um, you, you have to get up your game, mate. Oh, I can tell I you're busy. You, you're distracted. Uh, yeah. I'll have to stream out some uh, some corkers at some point. Yeah. Okay. The probably I don't move. even try That's anymore because I can't outdo dip your toe in digital waters. That was my best title ah, ever, and I'm like, I can't outdo that. I'm not going to even try. Okay. Um, there's more. Sh- uh, let's have a look. Um, that, well, we've done the big ones. Uh, there's, there, there are a few sort of more philosophical topics that we could uh, we could cover. Maybe we should have a look at. Um, oh, I'll, I'll go for this one because it's a video, and that makes it a bit easier. Because it always. Uh, uh, let's see, it's this one. Okay. This is uh, a video from. Um, I can't remember who it was now. Chicago Synth Exchange, it's just sound of the Access Virus, which, on reflection, this is kind of an old synth, but it still sounds amazing. And I suppose in many ways it was one of the first DSP synths that really had lots, it was dripping in high-quality uh, algorithmic effects on top of the synthesis stuff. I mean, they, they really kind of pioneered the whole DSP world, and there's something about, in my opinion, a DSP filter coded by Germans that just has a certain something about it. But now that's discontinued, that the people at, uh, well, it's not access, it's virus these days, I suppose, uh, it's Kemper, really. Um, the, the, after 15 years, it's now over. Uh, you know, the Kemper are, are now the main focus. Kemper, of course, one of the biggest names in guitar modelling with the, uh, the Kemper amp. Uh, and I think, you know, you saw that in almost every guitar-based studio in in, in America, you know, it became a real you know, a badge of honour and a way for people to sort of uh, impulse response their broken old AC30s or whatever it may be and get that sound. It just seemed to be very good at capturing that stuff, very responsive. So that's now it. It sort of feels like it's over. They finally said, yeah, OK, we're not making them anymore. They actually only discontinued making it several months ago. So production was, it was still in production. Goodness knows where you bought it, but apparently you could. I mean, it's an interesting one, isn't it? The, the sound of the virus, many sort of a, 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 associated with kind of the sound of um, European kind of techno and, uh, and, and, and a specific genre of mm. dance music, but it's actually incredibly powerful. A lot of them available in the US. Did you ever get a chance to play with the virus? I mean, I know there were a lot sold. Rich. I didn't play with the hardware ones, but I used the software on release and I loved it and I used it a lot. The, it was red, ah, some yeah. kind of red interface software. And it sounded great for its day. I haven't used it in a long time, but I just heard sounds good. But um, I had I didn't play with the hardware ones. I did play with software, and I really liked it. And I thought it was a great product at the time. Yeah, it was basically every every uh, sort of bit banger from the not in the nineties or the late nineties seems to have <laughs> the, the 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 kind of the sound of the virus as the signature sound in many cases, or the sound that was holding the track together. It's just that I mean they. 
Uh, did they invent Super Saw? They pretty much did, didn't they? The cloning of the, the that sound, the Roland kind of started to use it. But I'm pretty sure maybe the virus was the one that that really kind of made it popular. I don't know, Paulie. You're probably more knowledge about this and may may be able to answer that question, or maybe not. I thought it was the JP8000 that actually yeah, I called so it Super Saw. Okay, I, I, I take so it all back. Coin the term. Yeah. I, I didn't want to like, interrupt you while you were like humiliating yourself. Yeah. Though, so. Well, I, well <laughs> talking, talking absolute nonsense. Yeah, yeah. Hold on. Uh, there's some rope here, which I think has yeah, just well, been, you, uh, been delivered a huge you, quantity of it. Yeah. You control all of the stuff. You could kick us off in a minute. You know. <laughs> yeah, but sadly, I can't rewind and edit live video. Not yet. Anyway, oh, dear. I have to work no. out. Oh dear. I, yeah. Anyway, truth. but but absolutely. I mean, one of the iconic instruments of the time, and still lots of people swear by and sure. use them, you know, the, right from mm. the A, the B, the the Polar, the TI, the all of that stuff. I reviewed, I think, yes. the, there was a little desktop one which integrated with software, and it was just, so you, you would control it from the major parameters from the, uh, but it, it just wasn't quite, integrated or maybe my computer wasn't powerful enough it just didn't quite work but the sound of it was amazing and that's mm. that's definitely something that i wonder if the price is going to go up one now. um one thing that really interests me about that era of synth development is that uh obviously the access virus used the motorola 563 family of dsp which is yeah. something that is obviously not made anymore, although there is an emulator for it. Um, what <clears throat> interests me is that the the virus had this really sort of mid-low-end presence that fit really well into mixes without much tweaking. And I think that's why it became such a hit with uh, kind of pop producers um right. at the time it just had this finished polished kind of sound to it and the thing i find interesting is that there are other synths that use pretty much the same family of dsp chips which sound completely different so if i if i just go through a couple you've got the waldorf microwave xt uses pretty much the same family of chips yet it sounds completely different you know it sounds raw and aggressive the nord modular uses four of them which i've got and that sounds completely different again and then the novation supernova also uses that family of chips as well and none of them sound anything like a virus so i always thought that was super you know interesting how for, for a while yeah, it could be the A to Ds. It could just be your code, how you are coding a saw wave, how you're coding, you know, like a triangle wave. Um, but the virus had this girthy, weighty magic to it that just record producers loved at the time. I've talked to many, you know, people from the time who were like, yeah, virus, you know, I use whatever, whatever preset on some hit. And I'm like, oh, yeah. Because it just dropped in there, you know. So there we go. It, it has this aura around it, the virus. 
basically. Just quickly interject, Nick Howes in the chat room, who should know because he's worked in the music uh, and DSP side of things. It's how it's coded, which is uh, yeah. obviously a thing, uh, which is interesting, isn't it? I mean, you know, we we, mm. uh, we have this kind of romantic notion. I, 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 for some reason, uh, there's a part of me that likes to think that it's just the Motorola's. Because the Motorola, those Motorola's were in Pro Tools rigs. They were in, uh, um, oh god, what else? Uh, a lot of Avid stuff, weren't they? They were in uh, original Universal Audio. I think Motorola's were as well. The the UAD stuff before they went to wherever it is they they are now. They went to Power Sharks. Core. It was in the Power Core. Power Core. Power Core. Yeah, Power Core. <laughs> I, Almost I instantly have a... obsolete. <laughs> yeah, I have a convoluted Power Core anecdote about the virus. If was that's it? helpful. Was that sure. a new bus, the power core? was, wasn't it? God, no. Well, it might have been when it started off. Uh, but I came home with one accidentally from Nam in 99, something like that. As in, I opened up one of the Carillons that we... Yeah, I'd opened up one of the Carillons that we took to the show that we lent to TC, and they'd left a power core in. So that sort of went in my bag, and I took it home. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody seemed to notice. I I sort of put it in a cupboard for a couple of years to see whether you know TC would call up and ask where it was, and they never did. So uh, I then sort of managed to get a couple of um, NFRs out of them, including the the virus, and it was just hands down the best synth that I had that existed at that time. So I had no no oh. hardware; I was purely running on software, mm. and it was extraordinary. And I used it, enjoyed it, loved it, and then I was making an album in the, the noughties and i was halfway through this extraordinary epic of awesomeness and the tc card the power cord just went Fut! it just disappeared it was gone it blew up somehow oh. and so um i was talking to tc who had changed hands a few times i think by then so you know i was safe as far yeah, as the yeah. thief of the thieving the card goes <laughs> Uh, but I managed to, yeah, yeah. I managed to negotiate <laughs> out of them a, a rack version of the power core. So I got that. It's very exciting. It cost me an arm and a leg, even though I got a massive discount and set it all it was up. Firewire, wasn't it, it? Yeah, yeah, it was firewire. And it wouldn't take any of my plugins. And uh, the reason was is because they were NFRs. NFRs are non-transferable. And no amount of talking could I persuade them that I was due to have replacement NFRs? Not for resale, if anybody doesn't know what on earth I'm talking about. These are sort of the free word versions they give to journalists or people in the trade, that kind of thing. So my entire plugin suite that I've been running on this power no. core for years was gone in an instant, and I didn't have the thousands of pounds necessary to replace them all. So, And it took years before Oof. I got another software synth that felt like it was anything like uh, the virus was on that. And I was very upset. Interesting, <laughs> for a long time. because I, I remember because I, I remember the power core. I remember thinking back the thing that was very exciting because it was usually it was usually for running plugins for processing that that it was that whole yeah. thing of being able to run real time instruments was was this kind of exciting concept and power core was the first was it the first I think it was it predated uh, Universal Audio I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure mm -hmm. it did, but I, I could be no, wrong. No, it did, yeah. And I, yeah, no, very it much. It did, but then, but then when it went to Firewire, the latency just went <laughs> straight through the roof, so you couldn't <laughs> you couldn't actually play it as easily, from what I remember. But yeah, we had a power call rack system. I think I sold it. I think there was a similar thing. I, I sold it, and it had a very nice um, throbbing blue light on the front of it, from it what did. I remember. It did, yeah, it did. I mean, they had some great plugins as well the sort of mastering suites i mean all the old tc stuff essentially ran on it and you know it's top quality top quality stuff but i never got to play the synth on the firewire version because they wouldn't they wouldn't pony up for it 
or I wouldn't. One or the other. So I wonder that. I mean, yeah. that. So that, that there must be. I mean, in in which case, you know, it seems like it would be an awful waste of all that legacy not to license or sell or release a software version of the virus again. Yeah. You know, in, or maybe yeah. maybe it's just like because it was all coded for Motorola chips or Power PC chips. It's like oh, I can't be bothered to do an M1 version of it, and because of that, I suppose an they're working. Though, you know. Is there? But I, well, maybe, the, I mean, a also they work on series emulator, right? Well, maybe because they've gone to Shark chips. Uh, I'm assuming they're Shark DSPs in the Kemper. Maybe that's why. It's like when you specialize yeah. or you yeah. focus all your coding resources on a particular sure. set of chips, having to kind of go, "Am I going to port this PowerPC code to to M1 for what?" You know, so people can crack <laughs> the software. Maybe they're just thinking, "What's the point?" So, yeah, I, mm. I, I suppose it makes sense. It's sad, though, isn't it? I mean, there must be... Maybe they could open source it and we could all have a crack. Oh, well, those who do could have a crack. Not me, obviously. I don't know. It's not my not my bag at all. But, yeah, interesting. I mean, that legacy... And I think I, I was saying that there's there's, there's something about the sound because I, I think the Delta SEP, um, the uh, Radical Technologies, has an, 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 an a certain amount of virus about it there's something about the way that that a dsp coded filter a digital filter, because the, yeah. the delta sep has got an analog filter in it as well and a digital filter the digital filter sounds way more vibey than the the analog one they he put one in there just because he felt you should but actually it doesn't sound anything like as good as the digital one or i mean it probably does you know but it, it the, the digital one sounds great and i wonder if there's a there's a way to kind of I don't know, spit that code into something else. It would be nice, wouldn't it? I don't know. It seems like just such a loss. Maybe we should shed there a tear is, or something. There is a, a an emulation of the virus C. I knew there was. I just kind of half forgotten. Oh. Um, there is a catch. You have to feed it with, like, the ROM file from the original instrument. And I, I doubt that's legal. You'd have to download it somewhere. Um but yes, it's the working on it. Basically, you have to you have to acquire the the ROM file, and then it's a, a virus C emulation. Uh, I think it's a VST plugin. I I heard about it. I haven't tried it yet though. Um, right. But you know, I I think you know if I have any time ever again, <laughs> I think I. <laughs> You'll put I it think at the bottom I will, of the list. Yeah. Because, you know, I really liked the virus C and there's some there's some good kind of wavetable action on it and a bit of FM, you know, which I kinda like. Mm. So But yeah, it is there. It's um if you just put virus virus C um okay. VST, you can get Send to us the, the link. bedroom. I'll put it in the show notes blog. with a... All right. Yeah, okay, brilliant. Oh, well. Yeah. Okay. Uh, right. Okay. Well, um, we've got a number of places we can go next. Uh, I was going, I mean, whatever happened to, I, one thing I did last week, I came back from Nam thinking, cause we did a load of Instagram stuff and it seemed to work really well where we, beginning of the day, we'd go, okay, we're going to do this. And the end of the day we go, we've done this and we got quite loads of great engagement. So I thought I'll beginning of the week, I'll do a thing saying there's the show next week. Let's have some topics or the show this week. And then I got sick and canceled the show. So it sort of felt like a bit of a nonsense, but I did get a few topics in and one of them, uh, came from um 
well, let's see, where was it? It was left is left is not right music. And it's whatever happened to AVB or what's the plan with AVB? Because AVB, as we, for those who perhaps don't know, um, there are multiple audio networking standards. AVB was one that was baked into an OSX level. So it's baked into the Apple operating system, which would make you think jobs are good and massive amounts of adoption. There's going to, there's going to be everywhere. And as it turns out, uh, not really. Uh, in fact, there's a graph here. Let me see if I can scroll down of the adoption. This is this is quite an old video, but so we've got AVB, we've got AES sixty seven, we've got all these other other business. Uh, Dante, and it basically Dante wins like by some considerable margin. This is a graph based on the amount of hardware that have uh, that technology in. So we're uh, right up there, and right down here are the other stuff, and AVB uh, barely moves the dial. And rather than a kind of like whatever happened to that, it's, the, the idea is really the idea behind this topic was really kind of more. So, have you have you got any net, audio networking? I mean, is it something that you use? I mean, Dante is very pro. I mean, the thing is, is I, I reviewed the Yamaha um, uh, little little mixer, and it's got an, a Dante option. But Dante is is highly expensive to license, you know. So, so the, any hardware that has Dante in it, for those again, it's like it, it's a transport for. Uh, audio paths, multiple audio paths down yeah. network cable, Cat5, Cat's, probably Cat7, you know, nowadays. Uh, usually 128, maybe more channels, and, and a load of other stuff besides. It's a fantastic transport, very low latency. You use it in live production quite a lot, so you might have a stage box on stage or several stage boxes bringing channels to the front of the house or to DSP racks, or just moving stuff around your studio. I mean, we have mm. a, a form of it here. Where I've got, right here's the... Uh, the X32, which uh, chose the AS, AS50, I think it is, which is a network cable, and that goes to a stage box over there, and we use that for the EMOM. You know, this work, it works great, but it's I backed the wrong horse <laughs> because <laughs> there's nothing else with AS50 in it. So I'm just wondering, <laughs> Rich, I mean, you do you do a lot of live, you know, you're on tour. You're, are you seeing Dante, or because Maddie's another big one, which is more of a, a, a kind of coax thing. Are you seeing... A lot of networking audio or any studios you go to, are they using it or are they still using copper wire to move the signals around? And do you see it being adopted? You know, what's the, is there a barrier somehow that stops these things from really taking off? Because they're incredibly handy. Single wire solution. I mean, who's not going to love it? It's great. I, I have no direct experience with these things. However, my son Corey worked for a, audio company is working for a couple of audio companies that use these things all the time. Um, it is in use, heavily in use. It's in a, in a stadium show, for example, if you can get 256 channels on one giant optical cable running, you know, half a mile to your truck, mm. that's a very impressive yeah. thing to be able to do instead of running you know, 256 wires or even in a, in a snake Which would weigh situation tons as well. where yeah. you're going to have all kinds of signal degradation and such. So it's incredibly useful stuff, but my own, uh, and I know that Dante is kind of ruling the roost these days, but beyond that, I don't have any direct experience with using it. I just know what it's for and I know it's being used. Uh, Technomatic, in this, I'm just going to, uh, oh, where is it? Uh, uh, I can't see where it is. Technomatic in the chat said that uh, Dante is used because the latency is is often a little bit lower. I know, Robin. Have you? I mean, you know, yeah. have you got a uh, have you got a Dante wire going from your shed to uh, the massive control panel in your in your 
you know, in your bathroom or whatever that you need. For I I don't. I mean, I did get. I did get heavily into Rednet when it first uh, was knocking oh, around. Yeah, that's another um, one. I borrowed a bunch of stuff from from Focusrite and then made a bunch of videos on it and thought this was this could be the future. You know, this single cable um, business was was nice, and the fact that you could dip into it kind of at any point and take uh, take us take audio out or control it or, or something. So the idea of running multiple computers and being in different places and be able to access all the same audio I thought was brilliant and I fully expected it to filter down into smaller boxes and a bit more you know something more accessible for the rest of us and it kind of does but only in a software way it never really did it never seemed to really do it in hardware uh, which is a, a shame, but I mean, I guess its usage is, as, as you say, in stadiums and in theatres and that kind of thing, where it is totally fantastic. But it could be quite a revolutionary technology for anybody in any situation. It's just really expensive. So, um, so it, I kind of sort of left it behind because it never really became interesting enough for enough people to 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 keep my attention, if you know what I mean. So, I think it's a brilliant technology. It's just that something that is easily accessible to the rest of us. Yeah, I think I uh, should also point out Personas uh, went AVB. They backed the, uh, that, that protocol because a lot of their active speakers and mixers have uh, AVB native, which again, I mean, the, the beauty of these, if you're not aware of them, the beauty of these systems, you can sort of plug, uh, I know, a stage box or a mic preamp or an audio interface that has AVB, you plug it in and it appears on the network and you go, okay, mm. here's the stuff. Where do you want to route it? And you have routing matrices often is the case. So you can say, well, I want this mic to go here and maybe in a whole bunch of other places. And there is, because AVB is baked in to the Mac OS at, at an OS level, there is the capability of routing all of this stuff around within software as well and it, it seemed to make it would seem to make so much sense it's just that f I, I think dante is the the the, the vhs betamax kind of scenario dante is the one that's yeah. won but dante is the one that has uh, presumably a licensing fee so you know if you're going to make some dante hardware a portion of that is presumably going to have to go to dante as a license to utilize their technology because presumably they they will have you know software utilities and things that make it easier for everybody so they manage the ecosystem which is all as it mm. should be but it's just surprising that they're so so far ahead i'm guessing it's because it's used in live setups perhaps more often because you can be moving audio around in multiple sample rates it goes i think it'll do 192 you know it goes right up there 24 bit you can the, the the actual the actual amount of data you can move around is astonishing and it's just it seems to make sense i mean if i could just have one wire i plugged into anything you know because dante the, the i've seen utilities where you just buy a little box that's got a mic preamp and it might be you know you're in a in, in a facility where there's somebody in a in a back room that just wants to do a voiceover and you just basically have a cat five cable and you plug that in and it's like there's your mic amp it's all sorted you're just dealing with it at the central point mm. it's a great system but it's just it, i guess it's a cautionary tale isn't it because where do you what happens if you invest in the in the thing that doesn't then have all of those utilities and all of those mm. extra widgets and doodads that that, that do it so i've forgotten about rednet um Robin, that was another one. And they were really expensive because they had Focusrite, you know, animal yeah. stuff in them. Yeah, it's know. all good quality, all good quality boxes, don't you know? It's, uh, yeah, yeah, very good. I mean, I sold a few sort of multiple computers to schools who were putting in RedNet systems to um, 
so they could have almost like a whole classroom of computers all using a single live room who uh, you know, got a band in and they're all able to mix it kind of independently or set up their own their own system all grabbing different <laughs> channels of stuff that wow. was coming in which is brilliant i would have loved to have gone to that school but uh, so That's you know there's some great applications that that come out of having that ease of connectivity which is yeah. i mean you just want that and you what? want midi a midi 2.0 that works those two things and that we should have everything shouldn't we just plug that in and the whole thing just finds itself and it all works it's amazing. You can plug it in and you have access to all of the audio interfaces in the world yeah. via the internet. Yeah, everybody's via one cable. Every, I could just everything. type in Paulie's Nord Modular, please, and it would be off. And it'll be using some kind of uh, <laughs> zero feedback latency networking stuff via Elk. And I'd get that before I asked for it, which would be, you know, superb. Imagine. Be like, Imagine. What the, why the hell is my Nord Modular come on? Red Walk says if you buy a Dante card, it's 600 euros in license fee only for a Dante card. So, I mean, it's, you know, it's, I I guess, I mean, there's no, there's no kind of problem with the fact that pro gear costs pro money, but it it just means that it's going to be harder for, you know, smaller facilities to kind of bring this. I I think there might be, maybe there's room for some sort of, format conversion software box that can kind of just talk everything. Have you heard anything like that, Rich, where you can say, oh, well, I've got my AES 50, I've got my Maddie, I've got all of this stuff. Just just have it all in one big network, please. I just don't, I don't, think, it's, I don't think it's viable, but it's a shame. It is a shame. I don't know, actually, but it Not- seems like it should be doable. But I think they're basically just competing and we're waiting for it to settle. And as far as the fee goes... It sounds like a lot of money when you're having a conversation over dinner about it, but if you're running cables a quarter mile from the stage to the truck Mm. and you would have been running hundreds of them, um, you, there are, uh, you know, and you're going to pay that money one time to use it for the rest of your, for the rest of your days. It's not that much money. Yes. I suppose depends whether it's each end, then uh, uh, you know each node. But yeah, that's all right. Because I mean, that's it, one thing. Still not that much yeah. money. You're going to use it for a year, and you're going to save yourself so much trouble and time. I don't know if it, in cabling. Yeah, that's true. I do recall uh, b- wiring up patch cables and buying twenty. F- and I had a, I had a two inch multi uh, uh, multi track, and I bought um, like multi core cable twenty four. 24 thread multi-core cable quality stuff wow. that was sort of bendy and had nice tails that you could kind of solder things onto and didn't have to use those EDAC connections and that stuff where I mean literally I had about I don't know probably 10 meters of it and it weighed uh, it must have been 50 pounds so imagine running that you know to the stage from the stage through the walls whatever it is you need to do or uh, just maybe uh, I'm trying to see you know all this yeah, it's kind of it's a bit of a no-brainer, isn't it? Really, just in terms of haulage cost and whatnot. Yeah. Anyway, I just thought I'd, I, I so I, let it be said that I will try and uh, bring some of those in. Um, has anybody uh, has anybody got got to be off? I mean, we could get another topic in, if, but I'm quite happy to to let things lie. If, uh, if I've got if, about ten minutes, got to, if you need ten minutes. All right, let's go to. I'm going to do this one because I think I think I like the idea of the arts. 
CTM Festival Berlin uh, has been running since 99 and is essentially the, uh, it's a kind of real, uh, what do they call it? They call it Festival for Adventurous Art and Music. Uh, it's a series of events that goes out through, uh, I didn't really know about it, but uh, Ken Peel, who's playing that one of the headline slots at the EMOMS, he goes every year. Uh, and he said it's an amazing thing because you just get to, this is just the trailer, but you can get to go and see just some really sort of cutting edge uh, sonic experiments, sound systems. He's written a brilliant article uh, for us on uh, as a summary of the five best things that he saw. And it was just, I just thought it was a really, it's a very encouraging thing to think something like this could be running for 25 years and it's quite niche. I mean, I'm hoping and I imagine Berlin being the way they are, they probably is some sort of state funding for this sort of thing. And it tied in with uh, recently I went to Ber Birmingham. Uh, briefly, and one of the things that we discovered about that is and you all that. I mean, they're constant. I'm afraid not. No, uh, the, one of the things that they do, they constantly do is they're knocking down and building large civic buildings or, mm. or commercial buildings, and the planning situation says yes, but if you haven't allocated one percent of the total budget to spend on some form of art to do with this building then you're not going to get permission. And I just thought, what a fantastic idea. Yes. And I think the whole thing is, all you know, and I think I think that should be written into the constitution of pretty much every country because I think, as we've mm. been seeing, this is a bit of a soapbox moment because I've been seeing, certainly in Bath, all the live venues are shut. There's very few outlets for places to play. You know, we're, we struggle to find places for our EMOM. Uh, you can't treat art so much as a commercial entity so that if it's not popular, it doesn't deserve to live, you know, because as we know, experimental art often is the breeding ground for the stuff that ends up in the popular, you know, in the popular culture later on. And you can see Berlin specifically, you know, a lot of this came out of the underground techno scene in 99 when it was started. And now it's expanded into something much bigger that brings a load of probably a load of money into the country and into the city and blah blah blah. And I think these things are sort of things we should probably think about. And I wonder. I suppose there are two questions: is you know, yeah. when was the last time you went to a gig that wasn't sort of something you expected to see, and you went because it was going to be something really unique and unusual, out of your comfort zone, like I don't know, a kind of three D. Well, anyway, I'll leave you to fill in the gaps. Uh, something that you wouldn't ordinarily see, but you were seeing what you were seeing was so cutting edge. Maybe not mainstream. I know. I remember, Rich, you went to see Eamon Tobin, didn't you? And I remember you sort of raving about that, which is at the time was quite left of centre and sort of non-mainstream. I, I, how did you get to go and see that? Did somebody say you must come and see this, or was it as just a happy accident? Or how did how did you how did you become exposed to that? Just curious. Somehow I became exposed to a video about the device, that giant thing that he was in that had video Projection screens mapper, all over yeah. it. And that, um, I forget, there was a name for it. And um, it was shortly after that that a ticket became available to go with my son to see him at Hammerstein Ballroom. So we went. Um, so that's how that came about. Um, but uh, as to your original point, I wonder who is surprised that artists are being exploited by commercial entities for their own benefit. Mm. Mm. Who's surprised by that? And if so, no, why? No, not, no surprise. I'm not surprised. <laughs> so I, I, I don't, I don't have an object to do. I, I, I mean, I would encourage it because then it means if there's an exploitation, then presumably there's some transactional scenario where, Oh yeah. Getting, I mean, we're not talking about streaming, but we're talking, it seems like almost if you're doing something more, 
abstract and unusual, you're more likely to get paid for your installation than you are for making a track, perhaps. You know, I mean, I suppose that's that's I'm fully yeah, in support take- of what you showed me, but but um, uh, I don't see any breakthroughs with regard to artists being either a accommodated by people who are going to provide those spaces for them or b getting properly compensated for the amount of revenue their work generates yeah i I suppose it sort of comes down to a kind of what at what point i mean art becomes a defining factor of culture and i suppose if we 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 ignore it at our peril you know we'll end up with just nothing i mean you know you put events on robin you know you know the mm. value of performance and the value of particularly the imams and stuff you know where people get to to express themselves publicly um without having to be a conceptual artist for instance you know that has a great value and it should be valued generally it does it does wonders for for people's mental um, well-being as well but oh absolutely and it amazing things you can see in art yeah i mean and it, it's it, it inspires as well you don't there's no one who you're very rarely going to step out and invent something completely new without having been massively influenced by things that you've seen and if you if people don't get to see stuff then there's very little chance of new stuff being sparked into existence and you know and we move forward and we find a new thing um i'm sure Eamon toman um where his name is uh, was inspired by something yeah to produce the thing they did i think i saw it at the powerhouse or somewhere a relatively small venue in camden i seem to remember um because uh, very much focused on video mapping at the time and that was why i'd, I'd yes. come across uh, his work uh, and that was extraordinary although it wasn't quite as mind-blowing as i thought it was going to be uh, but that's be but i think when you're if you immerse yourself in some world then you see you you can be more critical of what you're seeing rather than just experience the uh, uh the enormity of it um, but I think, yeah, when you come down to things like EMOM, they're so vital because people need to see people performing. They need to see how it can be done simply and that there's an awful lot of creativity that can be done simply and cheaply and right in front of your eyes. It doesn't have to be a Super Bowl halftime show. It doesn't have to be, um, I mean, some of these enormous frameless things they're doing in London at the moment with uh, with art, which is projected that you sort of walk through, um, are, are extraordinary. And the opportunities for sound design and, and music in those things are amazing. But it can't all just be that high-end stuff. It has to be grassroots. You have to be able to to see people perform and think to yourself, I could do that, but I could also take my laptop and throw up some visuals, or I could take this thing and twist that. And it's those conversations around the the, the tables in the pub where the Emon is happening, which is probably where the next spark comes and the next opportunity and then to work with somebody so all of this stuff threads through each other it has to and if you take away the places where these things can be shown those conversations are not going to happen those sparks are not going to happen you're not going to get those chance encounters because i mean through every will in the world trying to do it online between people between connections on facebook is not the same as the conversation in the pub after a couple of pints and there's some guy thrashing an npc with his guitar you know that's where the magic happens that's where those moments uh, occur that that then you know spark something else i'll go home immediately and set fire to all my gear and start again you know you you don't get that through a facebook conversation so 
I don't know what the question was, but hell yeah, is what I would say. <laughs> a, great, a great speech. Well, it's interesting though, isn't it, Paulie? I mean, we've talked to, I mean, yes. you, you use music in your work in mental health, you know, it's a great, but, but aside from that, I mean, it's important to have places. And I think we've become, as a society, we've become complacent in a lot, and particularly post-COVID as well, because COVID has made us all very risk-averse. And I, 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 I kind of liken it to us all, aging by 20 years over the course of two years where you know it's like oh if, if the parking's a problem or i don't know where the loos are i might not go because it's it's a bit it might be a bit a bit difficult to do and yet you know most of us are not of that age where that's a factor <laughs> but that it sort of has become or the ventilation might be you know do you know what i mean or there sure. might be a lot of people that are not comfortable with it oh yeah um, we we need to relearn and i think it's very important that we do that. yeah I mean, before COVID, I was kind of a recluse anyway because of my own mental health uh, issues. So it felt like COVID brought everyone a bit more down to my level. It was really weird. I was like, oh, okay. Um, and that was kind of useful for me to see like other people who had been well all of their lives suddenly stumble. And it made me feel less sort of down on myself for stumbling myself earlier on, if right. you understand. So, but... Yeah. On a slightly happier note, the last cool thing I saw in music, which really, really wasn't what I was expecting and I really loved, was the sea organ in Zadar in Croatia. It's a oh, massive yeah, cool musical instrument which plays music via the waves of the sea. It's so cool. Yes. And you I can just go, go there's some that. marble steps leading down to it, and then you can... And, of course, that was that was built um, by an architect, Nikola Barzik, but I don't know how to... Or Basic, I don't know how to pronounce his name. Um, and it drew a lot of tourists, you know, so art can be something beautiful that draws tourists. Um, I'm gonna. I'm just gonna quickly go to that as I think this yeah. plays something. There it is. Uh, uh, is it playing? There's mm -hmm. something playing. Is it? It, it should, should do. do. I can't hear it, but that's it. No, I can't hear it either. Uh, why is that? Is it oh, muted? There it is. Yeah, it's essentially, uh, it's like a pipe organ where the sea is pushing air through all of the little uh, um, pipes, I suppose, and they're tuned to some degree. That's a lot of... Mind you... Yes. If you live close by, it might start to grate a bit <laughs> on a sure. stormy night. Sure, definitely. <laughs> I guess our... Um... Our, uh, our version in the UK is if you lived close to a church with bell ringers, isn't it? Because yeah, that's sort of a similar yeah. thing. It's great, great walking past the church here in the bells, but if you live right next to it, you're like, oh, they're going, they're going off on that again. Yeah. And one oh, of the it's... bell ringers is always slightly late with their note and vote. <laughs> 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 so, yeah, I, I will say that, you know, um, on my most cynical days, uh, I feel we live in a post-art world. And in order to be able to sell anything or, or, or have any... Unless you're established, playing established music, um, 
it's really hard. It's incredibly hard to do anything mm. musical and unless you have some sort of gimmick and that's why I started, you know, using my old computers more because I can get a gig much more easily if I take an old computer along. It doesn't necessarily mean that all of the time the the music will change that much because I've done remixes of songs, you know, just put it through the old computers. And all of a sudden, there's kind of a passionate audience for it, you know, because they're like, oh, mm. you're using blah, blah, computer from 1992. That's amazing. And and whereas I'm just some person making music, I'm just another one of millions on SoundCloud or wherever uh, making music uh, without that. It- so I, I like art. I like to see people putting money into art especially when it's something you know that potentially gives underprivileged or disabled people chance to show off their art i think that one i think that one percent rule is a really interesting idea that i think you could apply uh, across the board in many and and another positive note i mean my mum as as we know passed away uh over 12 months ago and she left a huge body of artwork you know like loads of prints loads of uh watercolors all of that stuff and over the last 12 months i've been we've been selling them you know to people who and it's been really rewarding you know in 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 many ways i mean all the all the proceeds go to uh, a charity that looked after her when when she was uh, on and declining but it's really interesting how many people will buy i mean we've had friends but i've got a friend who's bought probably eight pieces of her work i mean it's ridiculous she's coming yeah. have you got any more of those ones i really or i want to buy this for my friend and i suppose in a way you know the, the visual art there's no yes. if 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 my mum had been a musician and I was trying to flog her CDs, I think it would have been a very different a very different experience. Yeah, yeah, sure. yeah. Because just because of the commodification, I mean, the fact that there's one or two of these prints maybe makes it makes it a difference. And it's just, I, maybe we're just in 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 the wrong part of a cycle for music, you know. So maybe the answer yeah. is you know the the CTM festival where things are linked to experiences that are not music and not just art. They're a combination of the things that we yes we, you know so so that people will pay for a ticket price or enable these things to happen. And I think you're right, Robin. You know, sometimes you see something and you go, wow. That's just sparked something because I was at home fiddling with my doodah and I and I, I could do that with this thing <laughs> for that thing that I you know there's there's loads of there's loads of kind of that, yes. the synapses get triggered by seeing these things you know I mean yes somebody might have spent yeah. their life's work or ten years coming up with this and now that you're seeing it but there may be something from it that just makes you go wow so yeah one percent. Yeah of anything going into arts. And I think, you know, I think it would make sense for, I mean, unfortunately, all of the councils uh, and borough councils are all bankrupt, including ba- including Birmingham. But I mean, imagine 1%. Oh, yeah, yeah. You just say any Birmingham revenues that City makes, 1% of it goes to keeping venues going, whatever, all of those things. Yes. That would be good. That's a positive thing to end on. Let's say, uh, yeah. I'm going I'm to start a part of the 1% art party. There we go. Let's, let's do that. Make it a global Great. thing. Thank you, everybody, uh, for joining us and listening to me waffle, uh, mostly. Uh, but thanks for your input. It's been lovely to see you. Thanks to everybody in the chats as well. I hope uh, has, uh, has been enjoyable. Don't forget... Um Oh, by the way, uh, Beaven is going to be coming on the show. We're doing a special on the uh, work he's been doing with the uh, Vision Pro and the 3D spaces. So some fantastic stuff he's going to show. We're going to film that on Friday. That should be coming out next week, something to watch out. Anyway, Robin... Um, you're uh, no, do, no doubt back to uh, forming guest lists and uh, meal vouchers for Synth East, which is coming up soon. SynthEast.com. 
Um, yes. I hope you have a, a, a swimmingly easy ride. Uh, I know how stressful these things can be, so uh, you're looking quite relaxed. So I'm, I'm guessing you. Yeah, thank you for that. Planner. Well, I'm trying not to be distracted by uh, by this that I've just gotten out again. Ah, the Black Corp. <laughs> Yeah, the Deckard's yes. dream. I thought, yeah, I'm just going to have a little fiddle before I get uh, completely immersed in Synth East. So that's not going to use up three days. No, no, no. No, no, it'll be fine. So no, it'll be great. Like Looking forward to it. Should be, a good, should be a good laugh. Yeah, well, I've got seven voices working at the moment. And uh, so it's like you go, it goes, if you imagine the Blade Runner soundtrack, you know, dun, 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 dun. but instead it goes, which is nice. I mean, it, it, it has its own flavor, <laughs> but I've just got to nail that, nail that down that somewhere voice. or pull yeah. a voice card out, one or the other. Then it'll be well, perfect. You could be found at uh, Malta Music Tech amongst many other places. And of course, Synthes. Yeah. Thank you very much for joining us. Much appreciated. You're welcome. And uh, Rich Hilton, uh, I hope you have some more downtime in which you can enjoy making snowmen. Or I, I'm what I'm fascinated. You've got a neighbour who's got a snowplow. I mean, that just shows what sort of extreme weather events are happening around your house. That's amazing. I think I'm trying to think. I don't think I know anyone who's even got a snow shovel in my street because it's just not something that happens very often. But uh, I suppose quite exciting. I hope. Yeah, we have real winter here. We, we have yeah. real winter here. And uh, you have to be prepared for it. Definitely. Okay. Well, lovely to have you, Rich. And uh, thanks Thank for you. joining us. Uh, thanks, as my ever. And of course. Yep. And of course, Paulie, uh, thank you for taking time out. I suspect there's uh, there's a certain amount of, I can't look after the child, darling. I've got to, uh, I'm, I'm doing this thing this afternoon, escapism, yes. perhaps. Maybe we, we provide escapism for, for many people in many, in many, fa many ways. So uh, pleasure to have you as well, Paulie. Thank you. Thank you. Um, no, it's been a lot of fun. I'm going to go back to, you know, nappies and make uh, sterilizing bottles now. But yeah, nice. uh, it's been a lot of fun. And please, if anyone's bored uh, after this, uh, please go and watch the Nord G1 uh, live stream on my channel and hear the weird yes, sounds that, that I came up just with. There. Magical Synth Adventure 3216. Okay, That's well, that's it for this week. We will say goodbye now and uh, we'll be back next week. Uh, thank you very much, everybody. Uh, thanks to all our listeners and viewers. See you next time. Bye-bye now. Cheers.